someone from each group just going to come out and just share where you've got with your discussions. If you haven't got your 150 words, that's really fine. It was more to kind of get you thinking and talking and uh, grappling with some of the issues. So if um, this group, do you want to... Emma, are you going to come and... Great. Right, this is what we've got so far. We are followers of Jesus, the prophet of the new age. He came to bring healing, restore connection with the divine creative being. He also gives us the spirit of the new age. Yeah, we were, well, we would spend quite a lot of time trying to think about what are terms, words that would have meaning for people at a new age fair that might have connections. So Johnny came up with the idea of Jesus as the prophet of the new age, the kingdom of God, the new age. We thought there was kind of quite a nice connection there, the idea of a hope in the future. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, sorry. I feel like I'm in the middle of something here. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're talking about energy, you know, and words like um, creative and being and divine rather than necessarily talking about God. Um, and um, what else have we got down here? Yeah, we talked about Jesus bringing healing. Not necessarily explaining how that happens, but we thought the idea of healing would be quite appealing. Oh, that rhymes. Right. The next group. Who's coming to share your deliberations? So, um, so this is the kind... We went for a theme um, of storms and harbours and that sort of thing so this is our thing in the midst of the storms of life there is a safe haven haven a harbour of protection this safe place is a friend a creator the one who made the wind and the waves he can provide us peace in turbulent times and give us hope of a better journey in the future so and the process that we went through the process that we went through was to pick out some of the words that we felt would resonate with the culture that the people who are at these fairs might be in. And some of these words got picked up for Andy's rather lovely introduction. But they were words like hope, uh, uh, safe harbour, of community, of creation, of love, peace, contentment, acceptance, and God's love breaking into the world. So just trying to connect with the issues that they would be taking to the fairs. Okay. Um, we spent a fair amount of time brainstorming, too long brainstorming. We're still a work in progress on the, uh, um, what we're going to say. But um, we started by looking at, at Jesus and and his person, and, and what we felt was important to us, that we wanted to try and communicate about, about him. Um, and we, we came up with love and community, um, truth and freedom. Uh, we also want to say something about creation and the glory of God in that, and also about faith, and um, how that's our entire reason for, for being here. Uh, and the as far as we got, was we're here in a spirit of community, love, and understanding because of God, who we see as the central source and focus of our lives. We believe that God spent time as a human in the person of Jesus, that he showed a new way of fullness of life, brought healing and understanding of what it means to feel hurt and joy in the creation we live in. and supported and you did great um okay i've put a, a few leaflets on things that i did now probably i would cringe now when i look at this because it was a long time ago but i thought it might be helpful for you to see what we actually 
did produce and give out to people and see how it compares with yours. Um, and I've done quite a, lo a lot of looking at um, Acts 17 when Paul goes to the Areopagus and I find it really fascinating to see what he doesn't say. When, uh, so maybe if you go home and have a look at that passage and actually see what it is that, that Paul doesn't talk about. He doesn't talk about the cross. He doesn't actually mention the name of Jesus. Um, and so, uh, yeah, just challenge you to kind of think about language because I do think that actually in terms of our mission activity, language is such a powerful tool. And it's not just about the words, but it's, the, it's a carrier of culture, um, my friend Colin, he's so good with language to spiritual seekers. He just, like, he has this chair, and he goes to these things, and he, and he, he calls it the mystical chair of blessing. And um, basically, it's like when you go to home group and everyone prays for you, but because it's called the mystical chair of blessing, all these people come and they want to sit in the mystical chair of blessing and for us to pray for them. And it's just genius. And I, I just, yeah, I just go, I'm not worthy. Um, but yeah, just to kind of think about language and how we contextualise the gospel for the group that we're reaching. Okay, so kind of um, bringing you up to date with um, what I'm doing now. Uh, sacred space, um, where I've got to. Um, one of the things that we do is the exhibitions. I think I mentioned that before. This picture is actually from um, the May Mary, which is like a local fair that we have in Kingston. Um, and I work with All Saints, which is um, quite a high Anglican church. And one of the things that I do with them is actually trying to help other Christians to think about their own spirituality and how that might express itself as mission. And um, some of you guys met Jonathan, who's the vicar there. And actually, I go there. It's probably the church that I'm probably most committed to these days in that I go every week for communion. Um, and, um, yeah, I remember when I first talked about working with them, and I had this idea of doing dream interpretation. And uh, Jonathan came out to me and goes, no, no, the PCC won't, won't cope with dream interpretation. And I really was cross. I was really cross, and I sent a really rude email um, and I just felt God tell me that I was well out of order. And I um, went back and apologized and um, really felt God was saying to me that, you know, you can't express your spirituality in that place. You have to help them express their spirituality. Um, and dream interpretation was not part of their, their understanding. And so what we did at the May Mary is we did... Um, uh, candle decorating outside on the lawn and then um, people came in and brought their candles in we did a, a sacred space exhibition about name um, no sorry that was the year before about light and then people came and they brought their children in who decorated candles outside and they um, they offered a prayer and lit their candle and that was very much the spirituality of that particular church um, and this year we did names and um, we made name bracelets and door plates for names. And then I did a, an exhibition about names, the names of God and about our names. Um, and so, yeah, so I think part of what I do is, is helping Christians to understand that they have a spirituality. And actually we have a spirituality that we can um, express and invite other people to come and um, take part in it. Um, I've worked quite a lot with the Interfaith Forum in Kingston. Um, and the first time we, um, the, the picture at the bottom, we did a candlelit vigil in the marketplace. Um, and actually it was September the 11th. Um, and it was really, really lovely. We had the mayor, that's the borough commander who's lighting somebody's candle there. Um, and we had, um, and it was part of the London Week of Peace. And so we had an, uh, an exhibition in the church about peace and what that means. And then we did this candlelit vigil. And each of the different faith communities um, said a prayer or reading, something to do with um, peace. And um, I, was, <laughs> I spent, like, the, the previous month working, trying to work out what time it was going to get dark <laughs> so that I could exactly time it so that all the candles would be lit as it was getting dark. So that was quite good fun. Um, 
Uh, I've also done a couple of concerts for peace. So the, the picture at the top is one that I really, really love. Because at the end of this concert, we did... Um, the Liberal Synagogue led us in a, in a Jewish circle dance. And so all the people who'd been involved and all the people who'd been watching all got up and we did this circle dance together. And it kind of summed up what it was all about, really. It was just great. Um, and each of the different faith communities had a, brought a song or a dance or a drama or something um, and all contributed. The latest event I did was called Faith Fest. And the other pictures that you can see are from Faith Fest. And um, we were in the market house in Kingston, and each of the different faith communities had a stall, and they had objects from their um, faith tradition, and they were able to um, talk about what they believed, and um, members of the public could just come and ask questions and find out about the different faiths that there are represented in Kingston. And these ladies down here, they actually managed to get me in a sari... And um, I was going out in Kingston. It was the coldest night of the year. I don't know, I seem to have this gift for doing events on the coldest um, times in the, in the year. And I was going, you know, I'll just wear my clothes underneath. And they were going, no, no, you'll look fat. And I'm going, I don't care. I don't want to get hypothermia. So anyway, they managed to persuade me to wear this tiny little bikini top thing and a bit of fabric and go out. Uh, around the streets of Kingston. Um, but my Muslim friend said, don't worry, you won't die because you're doing God's work. I said, thanks, Rashid. I will hang on to that one. So, um, so yeah, so that's the... And I guess, you know, you could say, well, why do you do that? You know, what's that got to do with mission? What's that got to do with the gospel? You know, you're not preaching at anyone. Um, and for me, it's about... It's, is trying to kind of show that faith makes a positive contribution to the life of our borough. You know, lots of people have the expectation that religion is a divisive thing, it causes wars, and so trying to kind of come against that and say, no, actually, you know, here we are, people who have different faith um, experiences, but we can come together, and actually, in terms of what we do in the borough, we make a significantly positive contribution. Um, this is us um, still doing the Mind, Body, Spirit Fairs. This is me with the team. Um, I'm doing massage. Um, uh, the lady on the end is doing um, card readings. One of the kind of more um, controversial aspects of what we do uh, is that we do uh, card readings. Um, I've brought my cards with me, so if you wanted to come and have a look at those and chat with me about those... Uh, and so we, when we go to the fairs, um, we do those. And, the, I mean, we make it very clear these are not tarot cards. Um, they're not directional. There's no negative card. They're not going to tell you how many children you're going to have and what their names are. Um, but they're to bless you, to encourage you. All the symbolism comes from the Bible and from Celtic um, understanding of Christianity. And it's amazing how blessed people are um, by what God reveals through those cards. And the last card is a verse of scripture, and um, so at the end I always say, can I pray for you? Um, I'm going to pray this gift from God. I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. How do you feel about that? And um, I would say that 90% of people say they're absolutely fine with that. And I've prayed with tarot card readers. I've prayed with people who sell crystals. Um, and actually, this, it was this fair... Um, you probably can't see, but the stall next to us was the lady who was selling jewellery and um, it was made out of crystals. And um, she said, oh, I think I've seen you before. And I was going, oh, I don't know. She goes, oh, do you do the one up in London? Do you do the Mind, Body, Spirit Fair up in London? I said, yeah, I have been up there. And she said, oh, because um, I had uh, somebody prayed for me up there and I had this vision of Jesus. And since then, um, I've carried a picture of Jesus in my wallet and she got out her purse and she showed me the picture of Jesus that she carried around. And I just thought, you know, how many of us Christians would, you know, put a picture of Jesus as being the most important person that we carry around in our wallet and show to those um, that we come into contact with? So, you know, what I find amazing about doing this kind of work is that God is already at work in people's lives. You know, he's already revealing himself. Um, you know, when people have dreams, we had this one lady, and this was at this fair as well, and she's, she came up and she said, well, you know, you do dream interpretation. I was like, yeah. And she goes, well, I've had this dream. Well, actually, I'm not sure it was a dream. 
And I said, okay, so what happened? And she said, well, I was in bed and I was asleep. And I heard someone say my name and I opened my eyes. And she said, there were these people standing in my bedroom and they were really tall and they were kind of like um, sort of sort of white. And, and, and she said, I was absolutely terrified. And I put my, I put my head under the covers. And um, when I put them down again, they were gone. And she goes, and I felt really disappointed. And, um, and I said, well, what do you think she was? And she said, I think they were angels. And I said, yeah, I think they're angels too. And she said, and I said, well, why, what did you, f-? she said, well, I just felt like I, you know, it was really awful that I was so afraid and that I didn't receive from them what they had for me because I was so frightened. And so I was able to talk to her about, you know, in the Bible, whenever an angel turned up, you know, the first thing that, any, that they said was, don't be afraid. So I think this is quite a common reaction. And... Um, And I said, look, you know, whatever it was that they had to give you is available to you now. You know, why don't I pray for you that you receive the gift that they had for you? And so that's what we did. So what I find amazing is the fact that, you know, God is at work in his world and in these people's lives. He's revealing himself. Um, And... As Shannon, you know, Shannon, who was talking, she was saying about um, this, this, this couple who went on a Sufi healing um, retreat. And um, when they came to, to, to say who their Sufi healer was that had revealed himself, it, it was Jesus. You know, Jesus is capable of revealing himself um, to others. He doesn't have to have us do it for him. You know, he is at work in his world. Um, the other thing that I do is kind of art installations. This is one that I did at Kingston University. And um, we did something called metamorphosis. And, um, we, and we kind of likened the, the, the caterpillar going into the cocoon and then coming out as the butterfly. It's kind of like our journey of faith and, and what we experience in terms of kind of at the beginning, everything going well and us kind of feeding and getting fatter and absorbing it all and it all being great and then kind of a process where it feels like everything's breaking down and maybe the things that we learned aren't quite as simple as we thought they were and and actually then we kind of have to wrestle with it but then at the end of it we kind of come out and we've we've got the things that we want to take us forward to the next stage and we can really kind of fly and be the person that God's made us to be so that's Ellie who made the wings um Um, and then I think one of the, my briefs is to talk about the lessons that I've learned um, through my experience. And this is me at Freshers' Fair this year. It's the first time I've done Freshers' Fair. It was absolutely mad because it was so loud. Obviously, you don't get that from the picture. But it was absolutely um, just... It was just so loud, and I'm trying to give readings, and I'm shouting. I literally could do an hour, and then I had no voice left, and then I'd have to go away for an hour, and then I could come back and do another hour, because I just totally lost my voice after that time. Um, but we're doing um, massage, and I'm doing some readings. And I, uh, one of the lessons that I feel that I've learned is I spent a lot of time trying to explain to people what I do and why it's important, And on this day, um, there was a big team that had come from the churches together, and they were giving out um, popcorn and um, telling people about the different churches. Um, And a lot of them, you know, saw me doing card readings, thought, oh, my goodness, you know, this is so wrong. Um, But as I did the readings and they saw what what was happening and how people were being touched and... um, the way that I was able to pray for them, um, they were like going, how do we get trained in this? And I kind of thought, you know, how often have I tried to kind of get people's approval ahead of time when actually maybe um, just by kind of showing and doing, then people kind of see what is possible and, um, and kind of some of those objections don't appear to be quite so important anymore. And then this is us um, in the marketplace. So uh, this is what we're doing on Saturday. We were there doing um, readings and massage and um, meditation stuff. Because um, I think, you know, there are people who are spiritual seekers who obviously go to New Age fairs and that's their thing. But I think um, this whole idea of spirituality is so part of our culture that actually it is it is mainstream, and so you can go to a marketplace on a Saturday and you can get people who um, 
who are interested. It doesn't have to be kind of dedicated um, people. It's kind of part of, of what's going on around us, this acceptance of kind of Eastern religions and yoga and all that kind of stuff. Um, there, uh, there was an advert for a Volvo, I think, that was tarot. And I just thought, you know, that sums it up. You know, it's very much an accepted part of the culture. And so actually you don't have to go to a New Age fair to engage people um, in this kind of stuff. So um, I think part of the challenge for me has been, you know, go to fairs, go to local events, um, have really good conversations with people. It's like, well, yeah, but how do they become Christians? And, you know, how do we uh, actually see discipleship happen? And I think, you know, when we, a lot of the time I feel like we have to trust God with people and he's brought them to us and had that encounter. And like I say, a lot of the time you feel like he's been working in their life already. So you kind of trust that he will take them on to the next stage. Um, so I've kind of not been too hung up about it, but I um, started kind of thinking about how do we actually build relationships over a longer period of time with people who, who I would describe as spiritual seekers. And so in the autumn, we piloted a meditation course at the YMCA um, as a way of, of, like I say, building relationships over a longer period. Um, so... Uh, yeah, and that went okay, um, and I'm just in the process of transitioning from Oxygen, where I've been employed, to the YMCA, so that I can kind of develop this work further um, in terms of their strategy um, of body, mind, spirit, and uh, me coming in to help them fulfill that aspect of spirit in the, the activities that they offer. So, we're going to do worship now. And the worship is going to be meditation that I do in my class. So you need to um, get in your chairs, and um, I'm going to sit down and read out what we're going to do. But I just want you... I mean, I'm a great believer in experiencing... You know, I suppose that's what I'm doing at New Age Fair, isn't it? They've come because they're experiencing something. They don't just want to kind of didactic, you know, exposition of what we believe, but they actually want to feel something, they want to experience it. And I think in terms of mission, I'm a great believer in getting people to do things and to actually experience it rather than just hear me talking about it. So I thought you could experience some of my meditation class um, by, for our worship today. Um, and I think, as I said before, I really believe that God is capable of revealing himself you know that he is the author of and perfecter of our salvation you know we don't you know we're partners with him and he's very gracious in allowing us to do that but actually he is in the business of saving us and um, that's not our job and so really the meditation course is a kind of vehicle in which I believe that God can reveal himself to people, but I'm not going to make that happen. So they can come from their own particular faith perspective or they can come from no particular faith perspective. And I will give them meditation techniques that they can use, which hopefully will bless them and um, alleviate stress or whatever it is that they're hoping to get out of it. But I'm hoping, praying actively for those people that God will reveal himself through those meditation exercises so um but you wouldn't you wouldn't know that it was Christian in any way so I'm going to give you an experience I hope that you meet with God in that experience but you know that's up to you really and up to him Okay, so we're going to start off with a mantra meditation. Buddhists say that we have 151 operations going on in our heads at the same time. Most of the time, dreams, desires, and expectations rule and divide our minds. So in order to come to a place of stillness, silence, and simplicity, we need a practice that is still, silent, and simple. Hence the repetition of a sacred word or phrase faithfully and lovingly during a specified time of physical stillness and absence of noise. So for this mantra, I'm suggesting um, divine spirit. But if you have something else that you prefer, that is absolutely fine. 
but ideally it should have four syllables of equal length. Say it internally without rushing and without expectation of what it will achieve. Listen to the mantra with your whole being and whenever you get distracted, just gently return to the repetition of divine spirit. While the meaning of the words is important, don't focus on them. So just to put this in perspective before we start, have a reading from um, With Open Hands by Henri Nouon. To be calm and quiet all by yourself is hardly the same as sleeping. In fact, it means being fully awake and following with close attention every move going on inside you. It involves a self-discipline where the urge to get up and go is recognised as temptation to look elsewhere for what is really close at hand. It is the freedom to stroll in your own garden, to rake up the leaves and clear the paths so that you can easily find your way. Perhaps there will be much fear and uncertainty when we first come on this unfamiliar terrain, but slowly and surely we begin to see developing an order and familiarity which summon our longing to stay home. Okay, so let's begin. Take time to find a posture that is comfortable and you can be steady in. Relax any tension in your shoulders, back, neck and face. Breathe normally, ideally from your stomach. Close your eyes. Give all your attention to the mantra. Gently and faithfully return to it continuously throughout the time allotted. Do not try to fight off distractions. Treat them as background noise. Keep coming back to the mantra. The great gift of the mantra is no matter how far you stray in your mind, it can pull you back into the present. So I will give you 10 minutes of being in silence, just listening and repeating your uh, sacred word. The fusion. You descend to the depths of your being to find a mantra there. A word recited to the rhythm of your heartbeats. It is the expression of your longing and love. At first you hear it dimly, but it gradually grows louder. Now listen to the word resounding in the whole of you, your heart, your head, your limbs, your stomach. Do not pronounce the word only listen, rejoicing in the thought that while it resounds in you, it makes you whole. Now see it through the barriers of your being and invade the world around you, the earth and sky and all the universe. You are the center from which it ripples out to the frontiers of the world. See every creature throb to the rhythm of your heartbeat and of your hidden word. Plants and birds and stones and trees and stars and sun resound with the word and by it are made whole. Now melt into the world, become one with it and shout it out interiorly with all your strength. Okay, that's the end of that meditation. That was from, um, from a Christian book called Wellsprings, that last reading. Okay, so I'm just going to do one more meditation because we're running out of time.
Okay, and this is a visualization, so slightly different. We do lots of different techniques to kind of give people um, opportunities to try different um, ways to meditate, uh, find a way that works for them, which they can then take home and they can use um, in their own life. So this one is, is a pebbles meditation, so I'll just um, talk you through it. And like I say, it's a visualization. So it might help if you shut your eyes and just listen. Think of your favorite beach and visualize yourself lying there. The pebbles are gently being moved as the waves lap onto the shore. See the colors around you, reflected in the sea, the sky, the shells. Notice how a breeze gently moves across the water. Now feel the warmth of the sun on your body and relax into the warm sand beneath you. Now imagine that you have become one of the pebbles on the beach. How does it feel to be gently lifted as the waves rush onto the sand at the shoreline? Imagine the water smoothing your rough edges, refining you, making you round making you whole, redefining who you are so you can be more authentically the person you were made to be. Enjoy the rhythm of the sea washing over you as it comes in and then goes out again. As you breathe in, imagine the water pouring over you, cleansing you, refreshing you, and as you breathe out and the water leaves you uncovered, imagine yourself sparkling in the sunshine. Now think of the specific times when the tide of your life circumstances has changed you. How have you become smoother and better adapted to cope with future storms? You are now less likely to damage others as you rub up against them when the tide comes in. Think about the natural rhythms of the tides that change through the hours and through the seasons. What are the natural rhythms in your own life? Your waking, your sleeping, your eating, your working, you're sitting, you're talking, thinking, reading, just being. So I'm just going to end with a, it's a poem by um, John O'Donoghue from Benedictus called For Presence. Awaken to the mystery of being here and enter the quiet immensity of your own presence. Have joy and peace in the temple of your sense. Receive encouragement when new frontiers beckon. Respond to the call of your gift and the courage to follow its path. Let the flame of anger free you from all falsity. May the warmth of heart keep your presence aflame. May anxiety never linger about you. May your outer dignity mirror an inner dignity of the soul. Take time to celebrate the quiet miracles that seek no attention. Be consoled in the secret symmetry of your soul. May you experience each day as a sacred gift woven around the heart of wonder. Okay, when you're ready, come back to us. So that's just to kind of give you an idea of the kind of thing that I do when um, I do the meditation class at the Y. 
So all of that stuff is actually Christian in origin. It doesn't necessarily overtly say um, Jesus or, or God, but actually it is, um, that's where it comes from. Um, so just to kind of finish off, um, I've talked a bit about trying to build relationships and then um, also for me it's about discipleship and um, these two ladies in this picture with me, um, I meet every week for Bible study with and um, Leah is someone who's come from a, a seeker background, um, came to our church and got baptised and um, she found it very difficult to, to come and find a place um, of acceptance um, in a church cu- culture um, that was very different from her experience of, of um, spirituality. And so um, she was someone who I felt God wanted me to disciple. So she's kind of lived with us on and off. Um, she's had lots of issues that we've worked through together. And, um, and then uh, a couple of years ago, or a year and a half ago, um, I went on a resource weekend to Sheffield and um, we were talking about Simple Church and um, this was a model that I felt God wanted me to to, uh, use with Leah. And then as we started doing that, which is basically a Bible study, um, she then said, I've got this friend, she'd like to do Bible study too. So Shannon came along and then she's got another friend, Laura, and she comes too. So for me, this is kind of what it's about really, is seeing having an encounter with someone who's a spiritual seeker, building relationships with them, and then discipling them. Um, And I'm really hoping that that Shannon will um, want to get baptised. That's kind of the next step for her. But she, um, at Christmas, uh, she wanted a Bible. And um, I went around on Christmas Eve and I gave her a present. And she took one look at it and she goes, is this what I think it is? And I said, well, I hope so. And she ripped this uh, paper off the Bible and she was just so happy and she just said to me, I thank God that you and Leah have brought, um, brought him into my life and I've experienced him. And for me, that was the greatest thing about Christmas this year was her saying that. And, and for me, that's what it's about. It's about people coming into relationship with God and expressing church in a way that then um, reaches out to the people around them. Um, I was going to ask Andy to do a reflection, but I think we've probably run out of time, so I think you've been let off the hook, Andy. Um, so, yeah, so the weekend um, had people come um, come to Kingston, find out what we do, experience the kind of mission that I do. Um, and if you want to find any information about what, what I um, am doing next, then that's the, the site, and I have a blog, so if you want to enter into dialogue with me on my blog... Um, tell me where I'm going wrong then that's absolutely fine uh, and that's where you can find it so does anyone have any questions yes um, okay um, the question is when does contextualizing go too far um, I think for me, uh, you know, obviously I've had a lot of criticism for what I've done. And um, for me, the safeguard is to be in a community of people who I trust and who I respect, who are doing similar work, who can kind of, who I'm accountable to in terms of my work. Um, When contextualising goes too far, um, I don't know, I guess that is different for every situation. I mean, for me, like I was talking about the, the example of Paul in Acts, you know, I think it's, it's very interesting to look at that and see what, what he does say and what he doesn't say. And... Um, yeah. But he doesn't... At, in, at the Areopagus, he doesn't actually mention the name of Jesus and he doesn't talk about the cross. So he is contextualising what he's talking about... So I think, you know, um, and also I don't expect to get the whole of the gospel in in one encounter. I don't think that's reasonable. I think you have to respond. You have to take, take it from where the person is, their question to you, their conversation, their experience, and then address them in that moment. I don't expect to get the whole of the gospel in. I expect that, that God will bring them to a point where he will meet other Christians and they will kind of take them on to the next step of the journey 
Um, and for me, in terms of contextualisation, do I go too far? Then I would say, well, I'm in a community of people. You know, I work with Johnny, I work with Colin in Guildford. I'm part of a Steve Hollingshurst from the Church Army. And so we are kind of together um, working this stuff through. And I think, you know, maybe we do make mistakes. Maybe, you know, um, there is a line. And it might be that we've transgressed that line. But for me, I'd rather be doing that than doing nothing at all. I'd rather that people were being reached and getting something of God's love and God's heart. And, um, and for a lot of them, they've had experience of Christians, and those experiences have been negative. And so we are also, you know, hopefully showing that there are Christians who are prepared to listen and not to judge them um, and who want to take them, you know, further on the journey. Anyone else? You were stunned in silence. Where you might get training for the cards and for the massage and things? Um, my friend Katrina has created the cards, these cards. Um, there's an, another set called the Jesus deck, which Johnny uses. Um, and um, Katrina ha- does do training on the cards. And you, when you do the training, you, you get a set of cards. And she wouldn't just sell the cards without the training. Um, and if you want to have a look, there's a manual here which has got all the information um, for wh- what each card means and all the Bible references that go with it. Um, and, uh, yes, yeah, so her... Let me give you a bit of paper. There's a website um, at the bottom of that, um, www.ruatcards, and that's where you can get information about the cards and training for them. In terms of massage, I would say, you know, there are secular courses in massage, um, and so, you know, have a look around and and, um, do one of those. Uh, we We tend to do massage that is just hands and feet, because you can't actually do any damage um, on your hands and feet. Um, Colin is trained as a masseur, and so when he does massage, he gets people to sign a disclaimer, and there's all that kind of health and safety stuff. So, um, yeah, so... But a lot of us just kind of have done it on the job and have learned like that. Okay, so the question is um, about working with people who've kind of got more seriously into the occult um, and how I'd work with those people. I mean, Leah was, you know, I mean, it's difficult kind of talking when she's not here to to tell her own story, but, you know, she was quite into it. Um, And I don't know. I mean, in my church, they'd probably be very much into deliverance, um, I'm not sure that, um, I mean, with Leah, what we talked about quite a lot at the beginning was, you know, she she has a prophetic gifting, you know, she's able to discern spirits, and she was able to do that when she was into what she was into before, and so with her, it's been very much kind of what is the source of that connection, you know, where is that coming from, is that coming from the light source, or is that coming from somewhere else? And so we've done a lot in terms of discernment and what does that look like. Um, I mean, I struggle with the whole deliverance thing because, I mean, not that there isn't a place for it, um, but I think that we're very quick to kind of think that it's all evil. And for for Leah and for people that I've kind of encountered, they feel that, that they're 
experience of um, what we would call the occult was actually part of their Christian journey. And to somehow say, well, that was wrong and that was evil and you need deliverance from it is somehow to kind of deny part of where they've come from. And I know this guy, Doug Addison, who actually wrote that book, you know, he was a psychic in California and he had a, a dream in which Jesus appeared to him. So he went off and found a church. He then spent years being delivered and, you know, becoming, you know, healed, whole, um, and and then kind of totally immersed in church culture. And then he suddenly said, well, you know, I don't actually know anyone who's not a Christian anymore. You know, all my friends are psychics, and yet I've been kind of cut off from them and totally isolated. And so he then went back and kind of got into the dreams, and, and now he does a lot of this kind of New Age stuff as a way of reaching out. Because he said, you know, geez, I met Jesus when I was studying to be a psychic, you know, and so I think it is a difficult balance, and I guess it would depend on the individual, um, and I don't completely rule it out because I think there are appropriate times and places where that is necessary, but at the same time, I think, you know, also we, we shouldn't be quick to kind of completely cut people off from where they've come from. So I'd... I'd say that the Holy Spirit is working through tarot cards. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to get where you're coming Yeah, yeah. I think I think that is possible. I mean, John Drain he actually uses tarot cards as a way of sharing and explaining the gospel. I mean, that's further than I could probably go, but that is what he does. Um, so, I do think that God's at work in in um, in His world. I mean, I would never advocate anyone going to see a tarot card reader, and I would not. Um, and, and if there's a situation, I mean, usually I do the card readings where there is a tarot card reader there um, because I don't want to encourage anyone to get into that stuff. So, um, but at the same time, you know, do I believe that God can reveal himself? Yes, I do. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I've found in these places is that those kinds of questions get raised for you very sharply. So one of the things that's very prevalent at Mind, Body, Spirit festivals is Reiki healing, um, which looks like John Wimber-type prayer, laying on of hands but kind of hovering over energy centers in the body. And, you know, Reiki means life force or whatever. So when I was there... The first year, we had a lot of Reiki healers coming to us for prayer because they sensed that the energy was strong in our booth and kind of wanted recharging almost for, and felt that we were giving something freely. So, you know, you've got to think what is going on there. Is, is life force the name of the spirit of God that is at work in some way or is there something demonic going on? Because how you answer that question... You know, you end up with very different journey that you're going to go down with people. And I, I think it's very, you know, the gift of discernment is really needed in those places. And you do find yourself praying a lot. I mean, you know, I uh, have had various, you know, traditions in terms of church, but my, my charismatic kind of Anglican stuff, you sort of feel you need all that at your fingertips. In a, it seems to make more sense suddenly in this environment than other places. So you find yourself kind of quietly praying in tongues, and I don't know, that repertoire of ministry seems to make a lot of sense in that environment. And I would say there are some times where you definitely feel that there is darkness in those places and are very prayerful around that but it's very in my experience that's much less than i expected but you know you do need to be prayerful you do need to be wise but to offer the gift of love and prayer and blessing in that space is the sort of default approach i think and then to deal with the darkness as it presents itself as seems appropriate i mean sometimes people see jesus and run off i mean it's that kind of you know they like have an allergic reaction to it um so i think i think it is it does sharpen those those questions but it's interesting when you're in a when you go in in a mission kind of instinct, crossing cultures, it's, you know, it's very similar to some of the stories in Africa where do you use the local name for God 
to talk about God, so with the Maasai gay, or do you say that God's a false God, let's talk about another one? So I, th- I think you've got some... The cross-cultural stuff is really very, very helpful in seeing some of the instincts where people have been across cultures where there are spirituality is very much part of the mix in mission to, to learn from and so on. So it's not easy, I think, but um, there, there is darkness, but not so much as you might think. Yeah, I mean, one experience I had was I had this lady and she came um, and uh, she said to me, uh, about 18 months ago, I had a vision of Jesus. And um, she said, it was so real to me and I've never experienced anything like it. And in that moment, I would have gone anywhere with him. And she said, I'm a healer. um, But since that time, um, I only pray with Jesus and um but i've noticed that i when i pray for people i feel empty and she said is there a way in which i can pray um with jesus but i don't feel like i've given out and then i have nothing left to give anymore <laughs> like yeah so i kind of basically talked to her about the holy spirit and how you know that that's how we you know able to be replenished from the energy that we give out um and after she and so we prayed and you know she experienced something of the holy spirit and went off um you know as far as i'm aware she's not in a church she's not a profess what we would consider a professing christian she's a healer um and then the person that was on my team said oh um have we got any why why haven't we got any why jesus booklets you know we should have given her a why jesus booklet and i'm kind of like well why you know she's encountered jesus she's praying in the name of jesus um and and so what i'm trying to say is that these edges are very fuzzy you know and yeah 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 Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I'm doing. I mean, I have a missional community and I'm doing discipleship and that's what happens. But it isn't me. What I would want to stress to you is it isn't my job to do that. Actually, God reveals himself and he, he disciples people. You know, I have somebody and she says to me, God's told me that I need to sort this out in my life. And so that's what we do and that's what we pray through. But I'm kind of, I suppose I'm very wary of, of us as Christians imposing what we think when it's not what actually God is saying in that situation. Um, and so I just think it's, it's a balance between, you know, what is our cultural expectation of what a Christian is and what we need to instruct them in and what is actually what God wants us to deal with. But I do think, you know, in terms of when we go to the fairs, we work in team. You know, I encourage people on the team to have people praying for them all the time they're on the team. If they feel at any point that anything's been kind of deposited on them that's not healthy, then we pray that through right there and then. You know, so what I'm trying to say is that there's a balance. You know, we, we take it seriously that there's a spiritual battle that we're engaged with and that there are forces of darkness as well as of light. But at the same time, we don't want to give the enemy so much power that then we don't step out in mission and take risks. Yeah.